Hotep, everyone. This is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. Here is our podcast of our show from Sunday, April 15th, 2018. Before we get into the show, I just want to make a few quick announcements. Uh, things going on in the Detroit area and in Cleveland. So coming up Saturday, April 21st, 2018 in Detroit, 2 p.m. to 8 p.m., I will be speaking at Burt's Theater, 2727 Russell Street in Detroit in the Eastern Market District. This is for the first entrepreneur workshop, the first entrepreneur workshop, uh, Legitimize Your Business, Black and Brown Network Opportunities. Guest speakers will include Dr. Ken Harris, president of the National Business League, and Ryan Mack, president of Optimum uh, Capital Management, okay? And this is Brother Nagas Vu and uh, Nurse Charms and others putting this together. Uh, Pastor David Bullock will be one of the hosts, uh, former Detroit City Councilwoman Joanne Watson, uh, Troy Muhammad from the Nation of Islam. I will be speaking uh, at 3 p.m., about three uh, around 3 p.m., uh, my presentation will be on lessons from the film Black Panther, economic guerrilla warfare, political self-defense, and how to Wakanda the vote. Okay, so uh, tickets are $10. Um, for more information, visit uh, thepeopleaction.com, uh, thepeoplesaction.com, thepeoplesaction.com. We'll also put this flyer on our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com as well, okay? Uh, it's, a fan, it's going to be a fantastic event. Then uh, secondly, I will be in Cleveland Sunday, April 29th, 2018 at the Mitchell Event Center, the Mitchell Event Center for the Cleveland Natural Hair Care Expo. The Cleveland Natural Hair Care Expo, Sunday, April 29th. 2018, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Tickets are $20. I will be doing a workshop dealing with uh, the role of black women in the film Black Panther. I'll be a vendor there as well. So come on out, check us out. Visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, or NaturalHairCareExpo.com for more information. And uh, lastly, I'll be doing another um, workshop dealing with the, I'll be doing, doing another lecture in Detroit dealing with the film Black Panther at the new Nandy's Knowledge Cafe on Sunday, May 6, 2018, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Located at 71 Oakman Avenue, 71 Oakman Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan. Uh, this will be Black Panther analysis, African culture, history, and Afrofuturism. So we'll deal with a number of different themes in the film, African spirituality, African culture, history the uh this is a very very deep film uh so come check that out as well free event donations accepted uh the presentation that i did on sunday uh april on saturday april 14th in oak park uh michigan uh dealing with the film black panthers about three hours we have that on dvd at africanhistorynetwork.com africanhistorynetwork.com okay if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization email me at info info at africanhistorynetwork.com info info at africanhistorynetwork.com and if you want to advertise uh, with the african history network as well email us at info at africanhistorynetwork.com all right here is our show today is sunday april 15th 2018 and we are live today we have a lot to talk about tonight. First time I've been on live uh, in two weeks, okay, because uh, we had Easter break, 
and then uh, I was in Baltimore uh, last weekend uh, at the 17th Annual Baltimore Natural Hair Care Expo, the 17th Annual Baltimore Natural Hair Care Expo, okay? So uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight. I want to thank everybody who came out yesterday in Oak Park to my presentation, uh, my lecture dealing with the film Black Panther, a Black Panther analysis, African history, uh, African culture, history, and Afrofuturism. Thanks to everybody who came out yesterday in, uh, we did that um, Saturday, April 14th in Oak Park. If you missed that, don't worry. Uh, I'm doing another presentation Saturday, May 6th uh, at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, 71 Oakman Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan. Uh, Sunday, May 6th. Sunday, May 6th, uh, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, 71 Oakman Avenue, Highland Park, Michigan. Um, it's a free event. Donations accepted. We'll have the information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll have that up later tonight. You don't want to miss this presentation because that film is deep. And it, uh, you heard me on Spud's show uh, this past Thursday uh, talking about it. It involves African history, culture. Uh, it involves a lot. Okay, so we'll talk a little bit about some of that uh, on tonight's show as well. All right. Well, look, you have uh, this case coming out of Philadelphia of uh, two African-American men who were uh, arrested at a Starbucks, arrested at a Starbucks. Uh, they asked for the uh, code for the bathroom. They were denied the code because uh, they were told that it's only for paying customers. And, uh, you know, they sat back down at the table, but they were waiting for a friend. The uh, manager of the Starbucks ends up calling the police on them. The uh, patrons at the uh, Starbucks can't figure out, why did you call the police on these African-American men? White people sitting around them saying, why did you call the police? They didn't do anything. It's video recorded, uh, and this is, going, this is blowing up in Starbucks' face. There was a big protest outside of that Starbucks in Philadelphia today. We broadcasted a lot of that on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. Some of you all saw that. If you missed it, go back and check it out, the African History Network on Facebook. You know, if you don't follow us on Facebook, you should follow us. We have one million followers there, so it's not a little, it's not a little page. We've been up for a minute, okay? But check that out. And then the uh, African-American police chief, he's defending the officer, saying the officers did nothing wrong. And I went and watched his uh, about six-minute and 50-second um, uh, Facebook Live broadcast he did, where he didn't even know how to stop the video. Another guy had to come and sit down and stop the video for him. Okay, I watched that, and there was some very important key details that he left out of his narrative that he's painting, trying to defend the officers. I just find I just find it very interesting. So we're we're going to talk some about that uh, today, and then uh, in uh, Rochester, here in the suburb of Detroit, he had a, a incident of African American boy who overslept, missed the school bus, was trying to get to school, got lost, stops at uh, uh, someone's house, happened to be a white couple's house, asked for directions. The, the wife gets scared, right? The husband comes to the door with his gun and fires a shot at the kid. Kid's unarmed. He's running away. Fires a shot at him. Interesting. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Crazy story, right? So we'll talk some about that. And then, Huffington Post Black Voices had a good article about uh, a uh, black students marched against gun violence in Florida 
but you probably did not hear about it. This happened uh, early this week. Black students in uh, uh, Florida marched against gun violence, but you probably didn't hear about it. All right. One thing that you did hear about was that uh, um, uh, the mother of a nation, Minnie, uh, Winnie Mandela, passed away this past week uh, at age 81. Okay, there was a documentary that aired in South Africa. We posted information on our Facebook fan page about this. There was a documentary that aired uh, in South Africa a few days ago that, that talked about how the ANC worked to smear the reputation of Winnie Mandela. And it had some people in um, uh, South Africa saying we, we were honoring the wrong Mandela. We were honoring the wrong Mandela, okay? But you had thousands that poured out into the streets for uh, her memorial service uh, this past week um, as well, okay? So we'll talk some about that. And then, uh, if you came to my presentation yesterday dealing with uh, uh, the Black Panther, right? I talked about the WakandaCon, the Wakanda Convention uh, coming up in August, August 2018. Okay, in Chicago. So we'll talk some about the WakandaCon also. All right, because uh, I'm already on the email list. I knew about this over a month ago. It was taking place, and I will be there. Okay, I will be there. So if you uh, are going to the WakandaCon in uh, Chicago, uh, you will see me there. All right. So we'll talk about that, and then also uh, there was one topic before a couple weeks ago we did not get to. And that's dealing with um, how Namibia gained its independence from South Africa in 1990. How Namibia, how the African nation of Namibia gained its independence from South Africa in 1990. Okay, so we'll talk some about that as well. And we'll try to get to this date in African American history. All right, so how's everybody doing? We got people watching us on Facebook, our fan page, the African History Network, and then also on uh, 9, 10 a.m. Superstations page on Facebook as well. Hey, this is the African History Network show. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. Now, on the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now this corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the compass of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the show. We deal with current events and history and politics and education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, um, love, sex, health issues, much, much more. Okay, sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Also, go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Sign up for our email newsletter there as well, okay? All right, so let's jump into this, uh, let's jump into this topic here. And I've been reading a number of articles about it. I've um, been following this story uh, basically from the beginning. Um, actually, been following this story out of Philadelphia. And I was so proud to see African-Americans protesting today. And if you saw our Facebook fan page, uh, you saw a um, you saw an article that I posted, and I got to give a shout out to one of my uh, my sisters, uh, Erica Watson, a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Uh, one of my sisters, you all know, I'm a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, 28 years, got my older chapter out of Wayne State University. 
Okay, but uh, she posted an article, and we posted it on our fan page, the African History Network. He's gotten over 500 likes. It's from Shop Black, shopblack.us, S-H-O-P-P-E, shopblack.us. 47 black-owned coffee and tea businesses that are great alternatives to Starbucks. This article was published April 14th, yesterday. 47 black-owned coffee and tea businesses that are great alternatives to Starbucks, all right? So we're going to post that article again uh, here on the, uh, it's on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. Uh, we'll post it here on the thread of our broadcast on Facebook for you to check it out. And I included a link to an article I wrote a couple of years ago uh, called, Why Did Dr. King Tell Us to Redistribute the Pain? Understanding the Power of Economic Withdrawal. Why did Dr. King tell us to redistribute the pain? Understanding the power of economic withdrawal. Because in Dr. King's last speech, his last speech, April 3rd, 1968, I've been to the mountaintop. It wasn't two minutes, like they show you on the television. It was about 43 minutes. And he talked about, uh, he was speaking to the sanitation workers in Memphis, Tennessee, and he said up until now only the sanitation workers have been feeling the pain. He said, but we have to kind of find a way to redistribute the pain. And he told them to go out and tell their family members and their friends in Memphis, Tennessee to boycott uh, Coca-Cola and Wonder Bread and Hearts Bread and Siltest Milk because of their discriminatory hiring practices. He talked about the need to support black institutions, to support black banks, to support black insurance companies. He talked about how the annual income of African Americans at that time was $30 billion, and that was a lot of money if you know how to pool it. He said we were like the ninth richest uh, um, uh, nation. If we were a nation, we'd be like the ninth richest nation in the world. Okay, And he said, we don't have to curse people out. We don't have to throw Molotov cocktails. We don't have to call people names. He said, all we have to do is go around to these businesses and industries and tell them that God sent us by here to tell you that you're not treating his children correctly. And we want you to make the first item on your, uh, on your agenda fair treatment where God's children are concerned. Now, if you're not prepared to do that, then we have an agenda that we must follow, and our agenda requires us to withdraw economic support from you. This is what Dr. King said in his last speech. I've been to the mountaintop. That now, when they show it to you on the television, they show you the last two minutes where he talks about, uh, you, know, uh, I, you know, I've seen the promised land. Uh, I may not get there with you, but we as the people get to the promised land. They'll show you that. They won't show you the, the part where he talks about economic empowerment and economic withdrawal strategies. So one thing we have to realize when we look at uh, speeches, one thing we have to realize when we look at speeches is just because uh, a portion of the speech gets the most applause does not mean that's the most important part of the speech. That just resonates with them at that point in time. Okay, but just because uh, a, a speech, just because a portion of the speech gets the most applause does not mean that that is the most important part of the speech. All right, So check out that article as well. You can read all of my articles at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com is called Why Did Dr. King Tell Us to Redistribute the Pain? Understanding the Power of Economic Withdrawal. All right. So when we look at this article, when we look at this article here, uh, Washington Post has good coverage on it. Good coverage coming out of Philadelphia as well in this case. Article from Washington Post, April 5th. It's been updated. Uh, well, it was just updated uh, two, uh, 17 minutes ago. So that's why. <laughs> you know, I monitor about 35 different news sources on a daily basis. You all know this, right? So article from the Washington Post. Two black men were arrested waiting at a Starbucks. Now the company police are on the defensive. You should be on the defensive, right? Starbucks, which once asked 
baristas to start a conversation about race with customers faces fierce criticism after two African-American men were arrested at a uh, Philadelphia store sparking accusations of racial profiling over what the company's chief executive now calls a quote-unquote reprehensible, inc reprehensible incident. Now, one of the questions I asked when I did my, uh, well, I posted on Facebook about this, right? I asked the question, how many white people has that store called the police on who were sitting there and said, and they weren't ordering, and they said, I'm waiting on a friend to arrive before I order. Because this is what these men said. They said, we're waiting on our friend to arrive. Their friend shows up while they're being arrested. Now, at some point, if you're a police officer, you should say, well, wait a second, hold on. They said they were waiting for their friend to arrive before they order. While we're arresting them, their friend shows up. He's asking the question, well, what's going on? Why are you arresting them? The people around us are saying, who are watching this, they're saying, these guys didn't do anything, they're just sitting there. You know, so at some point, you know, because see, the uh, police chief said that uh, they follow policy, they follow protocol. But at some point, common sense has to kick in, and you say, wait a second, did, should, should we really arrest these guys for sitting here in the Starbucks? At some point, common sense has to kick in. They were at the police station for eight or nine hours. We're going to continue this on the other side of the break. We're coming up on the break. You can give us a call, 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600. This is Michael M. Hotel, the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the future of radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. If you're looking for a curriculum for African-American children to teach them their history, then look no further than Legacy Kits by Ignis. Legacy Kits by Ignis is an African-American-owned business that provides African-American and African history curriculum for school-aged children. Their goal is to teach children about their strong history, which is not taught in schools across America. Legacy Kits provide a hands-on learning experience that children love. Each kit contains a workbook, two history books, and two projects. They make it easy for busy parents like you. Subscribe today to receive a monthly package filled with the rich heritage of African people. Teach your children about their history. For more information and to sign up, visit Legacy Kits by Ignis, I-G-N-I-S, LegacyKitsByIgnis.com. Visit them today. Follow them on social media and sign up to receive their emails for special discounts. Remember, right knowledge corrects wrong behavior. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We're on live today. Uh, it's good because I haven't been on live in two weeks. We were shut down for Easter uh, one week, then I was in Baltimore uh, last weekend at the 17th Annual Baltimore Natural Hair Care Expo. So uh, shout out to everybody who came by to see me. I uh, met Angela Flood Williams there. If you follow me on Facebook, you see her on my Facebook Live broadcast. met her and her daughter there. And a lot of people, a lot of my listeners uh, came on out, all right? And just so you know, um, Sunday, April 29th, I'll be in Cleveland at the Cleveland Natural Hair Care Expo. I'll be a vendor there, and I'll be doing a workshop on the role of black women in uh, Black Panther, the role of black women in the film Black Panther. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, for more information on that, okay? 
uh, Sunday, April 29th, uh, the Cleveland Natural Hair Care Expo at the Mitchell Event Center. All right, so uh, right before the break, we were talking about the case out of Philadelphia. Crazy case out of Philadelphia. If you saw our Facebook fan page, the African History Network today, you saw me post a live uh, broadcast, the live uh, Facebook live broadcast of the protest that was taking place outside of the Starbucks today, uh, Channel 13 there in um, uh, Philadelphia uh, posted that, okay? And uh, so be sure to check that out. But let's go back to this story here, okay? So the Washington Post has a really good article, uh, really good reporting on this. They just updated it about 24 minutes ago as well. Uh, two black men were arrested waiting at a Starbucks. Now the company police are on the defensive. Now the company police are on the defensive, okay? So um, they talked about how uh, Starbucks, which was once... Uh, which once asked baristas to start a conversation about race with customers faces fierce criticism after two African-American men were arrested at a Philadelphia store sparking accusations of racial profiling over what the company's chief executive now calls a quote-unquote reprehensible incident. And it was back in 2015 that the company was asking uh, employees to start a conversation about race, right? Some of you all may, uh, some of you all may remember that. Okay. All right. So, and that didn't go over so well either. Okay. Um, in a statement, CEO of Starbucks, Kevin Johnson, offered, quote unquote, our deepest apologies on Saturday, April 14th, to the two men who were taken out of the store in handcuffs by at least six officers this past Thursday. A store manager had asked the two men to leave after they attempted to use the bathroom but had not made any purchases, police said. The men said they were waiting for a friend. Uh, their attorney later said the manager then called 911 for assistance, the company said. And when you read, read the narrative here, they said they were waiting for a friend to arrive before they ordered. Okay? They were waiting for a friend to arrive before they ordered. Now, the police confrontation was captured on a video that has been viewed more than 8 million times on social media. Now, just yesterday when I was following this story, it had been viewed more than uh, a little more than 4 million times, maybe about 4.5 million times. Now, it's been viewed 8 million times. This is a huge black eye for Philadelphia, for the Philadelphia Police Department, a huge black eye for Starbucks. At some point, common sense should have kicked in to those police officers and said, you know, maybe these black men are telling the truth. Maybe they were waiting for their friend. Oh, here's their friend. Show up right now. Here's their friend right here now. He's like, guys, why are you wasting these guys? You're, is it because they're black? Is that why you're doing this? At some point, common sense should have kicked in and said, you know, maybe this is not such a good idea. Now, a store manager had asked the two men to leave after they attempted to use the bathroom but had not made any purchases, police said. The men said they were waiting for a friend. Their, uh, their attorney said, uh, their, their attorney later said. Now, the police confrontation was captured uh, on video. Uh, the uh, mayor, Jim Kenney, who's a Democrat, mayor of Philadelphia, Jim Kenney, said, quote, I am heartbroken to see Philadelphia in the headlines for an incident that, at least based on what we know at this point, appears to exemplify what racial discrimination looks like in 2018. Now, after Wendell Pierce, after Wendell Pierce from The Wire, we saw him in um, Waiting to Exhale. We've seen him in other uh, films and TV shows. After Wendell Pierce posted on Twitter on April 14th, Saturday, April 14th, he said, Red Bay Coffee Roasters in Oakland, California, 
Uh, the, hand, the Twitter handle is at Red Bay Coffee, at Red Bay Coffee, B-A-Y. He said, this is an excellent alternative to Starbucks, a company I am engaged with as we bring a store to Richmond, California. African-American owned with respect for the community, Starbucks has offended. African-American owned with respect for the community, Starbucks has offended. Hashtag boycott Starbucks. Hashtag boycott Starbucks. Now, the article goes on to say, the two men were taken to a police station where they were fingerprinted and photographed. Their attorney, Laura, uh, Lauren Wimmer, told the Washington Post on Saturday. Her clients, who declined to be identified, were released eight hours later because the district attorney found no evidence of a crime, she said, adding the Starbucks manager was white. Now, if the, the, now so if the district attorney found no evidence of a crime, no, it's the thing you start asking, well, why were they arrested in the first place? They're detained for eight hours. They're fingerprinted. They're photographed. They're humiliated, taken out of the Starbucks. People standing around like, what did these guys do? Makes no sense. Now, the two men were at the coffee shop to meet Andrew Yaffe, Y-A-F-F-E. I think that's how you pronounce it, Yaffe, who runs a real estate development firm and wanted to uh, meet to discuss business investment opportunities, uh, attorney Lauren Wimmer stated. Now, multiple witnesses recorded the incident on cell phones. In one video, Andrew Yaffe arrives to tell police the two men were waiting for him. See, at some point you say, well, you know, they said they were waiting on a friend, and here he comes. Maybe they're telling the truth. Yaffe says, why would, why would they be asked to leave? Does anybody, he, he, and I saw the video, he, he, asked people, he asked the patient, he said, does anybody else think this is ridiculous? He said, it's absolute discrimination. A woman off-camera chimes in and says they didn't do anything. Now, the two men remain seated and calmly speak with the authorities. See, what's interesting is, is that in the six-and-a-half or six-minute-fifty-second video, because it's an extra 20 seconds, because the police chief didn't know how to stop the video from fake, for, uh, streaming live on Facebook, he didn't know how he said the video won't stop. This is another 20 seconds the video was broadcasting a lot. It was like, come on, man. <laughs> Where did they get this guy from? <laughs> but in the video that he put out to try to clarify what was going on and actually to defend the officers, he said that the officers were professional and operated based upon protocol, but they did not receive basically professionalism. They did not receive the same thing from the two African-American men. That's not what the witnesses are saying. These guys didn't get loud. They weren't disrespectful. That's not what the witnesses are saying. I just find it very interesting. Now, when you watch the video, and I think they have it here in this article from Washington Post, and we have some other articles on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, where you can check this out. When you watch the video from the police chief, right, he does not state in the video, I watched it from beginning to the end, where the other guy has to come in and sit in his chair and stop the video because he didn't know how to stop it. He never stated that the two African-American men stated that they were waiting for a friend to arrive and they were order once he arrived and he never stated in the video that their friend pops up and says hey these guys are meeting with me why are they being arrested he never states those two important facts I wonder why I, I wonder maybe he was busy and forgot I just find it very interesting now in the video he also said we had a situation he said we had a situation a year or two ago well, we had an officer who went to that Starbucks and they wanted to use the bathroom and they were not denied access to the bathroom because they didn't purchase anything.
Okay? Now, he didn't say whether the officer was in uniform or out of uniform. He didn't state that the officer didn't go buy something so then they could gain access to the bathroom. He didn't, he didn't, he, he, he didn't even state exactly why they were denied access. He, he, because, because, see, what I'm saying is he didn't say that the officer was told that you can't use the bathroom because you didn't purchase anything. He, he didn't say that. And the, uh, the other thing that I think is important is, uh, he, so he brings this up to try to then defend Starbucks. Question I would ask Starbucks is, that Starbucks in Philadelphia, question I would ask is, how many white people have you called the police on who said, I'm waiting to order, I'm waiting for my friend to get here before I order something? See, that's a very important question. I, I want to know that answer. Okay, so the, the police chief did more harm than good with this video. If you, if you actually go through and look at the facts of the case, the police chief did more harm than good with this video, but he exposed his hand. And this is one of the reasons why that police department is on the defensive, which they should be because it's totally ridiculous. This is the African-American police chief, by the way. Okay. And then he talked about how uh, he talked about implicit bias and the, 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 their, uh, uh, the officers go through implicit bias training. And he said, as an African-American man, I'm very aware of uh, implicit bias. Sounds like implicit bias here. So the two men remain seated and calmly speak with the authorities. An officer begins to clear chairs out of the way in apparent anticipation of an arrest. Andrew Yaffe, who's their friend, who arrives and say, guys, what, what's going on here? He suggests uh, they will go somewhere else. The uh, uh, officer replies, they're not free to leave. We're done with that. We asked them to leave the first time the two men, uh, the, the, two, the, the, the two men stand up to be cuffed. Uh, they do not appear to resist. Now, Melissa DePino, D-E capital P-I-N-O, Melissa DePino, who recorded the viral, the viral video of the incident, told uh, Philadelphia Magazine that the men did not escalate the situation. The men did not escalate the situation. Okay, She said, quote, these guys never raised their voices. They never did anything remotely aggressive, she said. Now, in the video, there appear to be open tables for any potential waiting customers also. So it wasn't like it's just wall to wall and you know, these guys are taking up a table and you got a line outside of people waiting to get into a Starbucks to pay $5 for a cup of coffee. That's, that, wasn't, that didn't appear to be the case. So, so what was behind this? Okay, now, if you look at, once again, what the police chief said, right? And there's a good article about this from uh, NBCnews.com. Police chief... Officers did nothing wrong in arrest a black man at Starbucks. The police commissioner, Richard Ross, said officers, quote, did absolutely nothing wrong, end quote, and were professional in their conduct, but, quote, got the opposite back. But that's not what witnesses are saying. The witnesses are saying these men were very respectful, didn't raise their voices, didn't do anything aggressive, didn't do anything threatening. So what is the police chief talking about? Oh, this, is this the same police commissioner? that left out the important fact that they said that they were sitting there waiting for their friend to arrive before they placed the order, and then their friend shows up? Is that the same police commissioner or is this a different one? 
I just find it interesting he would leave out those two facts. But at the same time, he didn't know how to stop the Facebook Live video from broadcasting. So, that makes sense. When you put it all together, it makes sense. Okay, so, now Thursday's incident is a dramatic turn for a company, Starbucks, that has touted itself as a progressive corporate leader that values diversity and inclusion, quote-unquote diversity and inclusion. And they may very well do this. I never worked for Starbucks. They may very well do this, but there's some problems here. There's some problems here. And uh, are we to believe this is the first time this white manager has called police on African Americans? If this was the first time, I'd like to know that. They should say, oh, this is the very first time she's ever done anything like this. I'm just, I'm just curious. Now, last year in 2017, Starbucks vowed to hire 10,000 refugees in a move that drew calls for a boycott, mostly from conservatives. In 2015, they had a campaign called Race Together, R-A-C-E, Race Together. It was an initiative for baristas or those servers, you know, those who serve you the coffee, uh, you place your order, the baristas, to initiate discussions on racial issues with customers, uh, uh, to initiate discussions on racial issues with customers. That campaign floundered after the company discovered that people wanted fast coffee, not deep conversations about police killings of unarmed black men. Now, there's a space for that, but when you stand in line to get your coffee, you, you're trying to get back to work or go to work or go to school or what have you. Now, Starbucks has been faced to bring race back into public discussion outside its own terms, following a moment that has drawn comparison to nonviolent protests during the Civil Rights Movement when African Americans' refusal to leave segregated lunch counters were met with police force. And when you look at this article from Washington Post, there's a, a, a tweet from Kaz Wada, W-E-I-D-A, -E -E that shows side-by-side uh, -side a picture of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. being arrested by police officers during a lunch counter sit-in, and these African-American men being arrested by police officers also at Starbucks. Now, local Black Lives Matter activist Asa Khalif, Asa Khalif organized a protest of the store on Sunday, April 15th. You saw us broadcast it live on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. You can check it out right now. Share that on your own Facebook page as well. And he told uh, a Philly.com, Philly.com reporter, he rejects CEO Kevin Johnson's apology, saying it was, quote, about saving face, end quote, about saving face. If the company was serious, it would have fired the manager who called 911, he said. Now, CEO Kevin Johnson filed an investigation and a review of his customer relations protocols, and he said he wanted to meet the two men for a face-to-face -face apology. He went on to say, quote, regretfully, our practices and training led to a bad outcome. The basis for the call to the Philadelphia Police Department was wrong, the CEO Kevin Johnson of Starbucks said. He went on to say, our store manager never intended for these men to be arrested, and this should never have escalated as it did, end quote. If you call police on two black men sitting in a Philadelphia Starbucks, I mean, at some point you should think, you know, maybe these police officers are going to arrest these guys. I mean, okay. So Mayor Kenny, mayor of Philadelphia, directed the Philadelphia Commission on Human Relations to review Starbucks policies as well and determine whether the company would benefit from training for implicit bias, 
which is unconscious discrimination based upon race, implicit bias. You remember, remember we talked about implicit bias? You remember on the campaign trail back in 2016 when then-Governor Mike Pence said that he and Donald Trump think there's too much talk about implicit bias in policing and they need to stop talking about it? You remember that? And you haven't heard anything else about it from Trump or Mike Pence. Very interesting. How can you talk about criminal justice reform and not talk about implicit bias in policing? Oh, they're not talking about criminal justice reform. They have no criminal justice reform plan. Donald Trump's criminal justice reform plan is called law and order. Law and order basically means protect white people and lack of black people. You know this. So, Mayor Kenny said little about the police response beyond mentioning an ongoing review from Police Commissioner Richard Ross, who's African-American. Now his office will communicate with, uh, 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 Mayor Kenny's office will communicate with Starbucks further to discuss this matter, he said as well. Now the, uh, the department did not return comment on Saturday, April 14th, asking what laws they suspected were being violated and if any administrative actions have been taken during the investigation okay now um, Richard Ross the um, uh, police commissioner uh, defended the actions of the officers in the Facebook live broadcast on Saturday April 14th many of you have seen that and he said the officers asked the men three times to leave he said quote the police did not just happen upon this event they did not just walk into Starbucks to get a coffee. He said they were called there for a service and that service had to do with quelling a disturbance, a disturbance that had to do with trespassing. These officers did absolutely nothing wrong. Really? At some point common sense has to kick in. Now uh, Police Commissioner Ross also said he is aware of implicit bias and his force provides training but he did not say whether he believed it applied in this case. He added police crews are sent to the National Museum of African American History and Culture and the U.S. Holocaust Museum, U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C. to learn more about the struggle of African Americans and minorities throughout history. He said, quote, we want them to know about the atrocities that were in fact committed by policing around the world, end quote, he stated. And he said this in the video today. Now, he did not say whether those police, those six police officers that were there who arrested the man, he did not say whether they had been to the African National uh, Museum of African American History and the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. Museum. He said they required that of recruits. Well, these guys didn't look like they just got out of the academy last year. So he did not say whether these, these six officers had been to the museum. Okay, so check out this article here from uh, Washington Post. Uh, have a really good article. Two black men were arrested waiting at a Starbucks. Now the company, police are on the defensive, and they should be. Now the company and police are on the defensive, and uh, there's a good reason why. Okay, so uh, you also have um, an article from AtlantaBlackStar.com. Uh, we'll go to that one in just a minute. I want to pull up this other one here uh, as well. Uh, okay, so you have one from um, uh, AtlantaBlackStar.com uh, and also one from PhillyMag.com. The one from PhillyMag.com 
is called Woman Who Shared Philadelphia Starbucks Arrest Video Tells Her Story. Woman Who Shared Philadelphia Starbucks Arrest Video Tells Her Story. The controversial video shared by Melissa DePino has been viewed more than 4 million times in less than 48 hours. It's been viewed more than 8 million times now. This article came out uh, Saturday, April 14th. Okay? And um, it talks about how... Uh, um, let's see here, just a second. Okay. So, they go through and, and ask her some questions. And uh, it says, so... Uh, Literal, uh, so it's a crazy viral video. Every single media outlet in the world is calling me, she said. But I've only talked to the root.com and somebody from Good Morning America at the time of this article. She says it's so overwhelming. Okay, so uh, she was asked a question. When did you first notice the two men who wound up being arrested at the Starbucks? She said, I was just sitting there working on my laptop, and I guess I first noticed them uh, when the... Uh, when the two first when the two first cops, the bike cops, walked in. The girl behind the counter had called nine one one apparently and the cops came in and said the guys were quote unquote trespassing. They said we were waiting for somebody. And and then the white guy in the video, that's their family friend, they were waiting for, he shows up. The guys wanted to know what they did. And then more cops and more cops and more cops show up. So then she's asked a question by the reporter, um, and then how did it escalate from there? Okay, and this article is written by uh, Victor Fiorillo, Fiorillo from uh, fulfillymag.com. Okay, I like to give credit to the byline because I write articles also, so I like to give credit to the byline. Okay, so um, he, he asked the question, and then uh, how did it escalate from there? She said a bunch of people in the store were standing up and talking to the girl behind the counter and the cops asking why this was happening. And then, uh, and then they freaking put them in handcuffs and perp walked them out of the freaking store. These guys never raised their voices. They never did anything remotely re aggressive. So Fiorillo asked her the question, you would have heard or seen it. She said, I was sitting close to where they were, very close. They were doing, they, 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 they were not doing anything. They weren't. So what's been the reaction to the video that you shared? So uh, DePino responded, I can't get over it. It's got, it's got uh, 4.15 million views at the time. This was uh, on the 14th. 101,000 retweets. It's freaking insane. Honestly, I didn't think this would get picked up. Why not? She said, people ignore this kind of stuff. They don't believe that it happens. People are saying that there must be more to the story. There is not. This would never happen to someone who looks like me. She's a white woman. She said this would never happen to someone who looks like me. People don't believe black people when they say this stuff happens. It does. They want to know the extenuating circumstances. There are none. So what do you hope happens next, she was asked. She said, I'm no expert. I just happened to be there, and I happened to share this video. I knew it was not right. I hope it starts a conversation, and hopefully people will start to believe that this really does happen. So she was asked finally, will you, go, will you be going back to that Starbucks? She said, no, I can't. 
and it's right around the corner from my house. Okay, read this article from phillymag.com because you're going to get some of the best reporting from um, from the local news sources because they're right on the ground. They know the lay of the land. They know the people. They know the stores. They they know the police. All these things like this, right? Read this article from phillymag.com. A woman who shared Philadelphia Starbucks arrest video tells her tells her story, and and another and one of the other articles that I read on this, one of the uh, patrons who was there said um, there was a there was a white woman who walked in, asked for the clothes to the bathroom, used the bathroom. She was getting the clothes and she didn't buy anything. This is taking place there. I may be able to find that article here because I have a bunch of them. Okay, there was another woman who was there at the time who said I've been sitting here two hours. I haven't bought anything. She wasn't asked to leave. They didn't call the police on her. So then, you, you, so then when this stuff comes out, then you realize why there were protests outside of the Starbucks today. News crews were out there. We broadcasted on our fan page, the African History Network. We retweeted the broadcast. I mean, we posted the, the Facebook Live broadcast. You can give us a call if you have a question or comment. 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a uh, if you have a question or comment. And then uh, there was a good article from um, shopblack.us. S H O P P E. Shopblack.us. Forty-seven black-owned coffee and tea businesses that are great alternatives to Starbucks. Forty-seven black-owned coffee and tea businesses that are great alternatives to Starbucks. Okay, we'll post this on our, our fan page, um, the African History Network, um, as well. Okay, all right, so if we look at the article here from um, AtlantaBlackStar.com, all right, uh, AtlantaBlackStar.com always has really good, hard-hitting articles. Um, this one entitled, Starbucks CEO apologizes to two black men arrested for trespassing. Says training led to bad outcomes. Says training led to bad outcome. Okay. Uh, so you can check that one out um, as well from AtlantaBlackStar.com. All right. Uh, TheRoot.com um, has, has an article, Starbucks CEO apologizes. Says he wants to meet with black men arrested in Philly. Hello? Starbucks CEO apologizes, says he Who's wants this? to meet with black men arrested in uh, Philadelphia. Roderick? Okay. And uh, I want to oh, pull up one from, okay. a, uh, from a local news source, uh, from a local Philadelphia news source. Uh, it's one that I uh, bookmarked, so give me a minute here. We'll pull this one up also. But um, okay. it gave some, um, let's see. This is handcuffing the two black men. Um, okay. This is okay. This is from ABC News. That one right there. There was another one I have to pull up as well. Uh, so we'll look we'll at that for you also. All right. Three one three seven seven eight seventy six hundred is the call in number. If you have a question or comment, three one three seven seven eight seventy six hundred is the call in number. If you have a question or comment. There was an article from Philly.com. That's the one I was looking for. Philly.com. Uh, Philadelphia publication. Black men's arrest at Philadelphia Starbucks prompts city probes amid national outcry. Black men's arrest at Philadelphia Starbucks prompts city probes amid national outcry. Okay, and this is from, it was updated April 14th, uh, 2.51 p.m. Okay, 
Uh, let's go to the phone lines. We'll come back to this article. Let's go to Andre, line one. Andre, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for holding. Go ahead. Would you? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. My comment is about that, that the, the article and just the words, uh, the words controversial as categorizing that video. I think that's very, very telling and very, very interesting mm -hmm. that uh, people could watch the video and it's been on. I haven't seen the video. I just found out about the article today. Okay. But for people to watch the video, 4 million people now, 8 million people to watch right. the video with a clear thing, a clear incident happening, and it turns out to be controversial. Now, what removes the controversy is the voices of the people. Now, you describe sound of the video, where mm -hmm. people are protesting, where people are saying that this is not right. Uh, you, you see the men there, uh, accordingly, you said they're peaceful and they're not belligerent or anything like that. Right. So, where, even a magazine, and I understand journalism, they're, they're trying to sell papers and, and magazines, but you use the word controversial. Even that titillation there right. says something they're telling, either they're trying to titillate the public, okay, or they're, they're adding to that what they think is a controversy. There is no controversy about race. Right. America is racist. There's no controversy. Well, well, there's nothing controversial. There's no controversy in the video. It's pretty clear. That's what and, and, and the accounts of it is pretty clear. Go ahead. Yes. So for the magazine to categorize that, or for anyone to categorize that, the media to categorize it's controversial. No. Mm -hmm. This is the truth. Uh, the, the Kennedy assassination, the Zappo de Phil, is that it's controversial. Why? Because, well, we believe there's another shooter, but JFK died that day. So there's no controversy there. <laughs> okay? mm -hmm. Right. A, a dead man happened. So we catch something on film, and we have video, and we have audio to that video, and clearly this was... This is well, I haven't seen the video, but according to what people are saying and what you said, right. this is clear as a bell. That removes the controversy. So, so where are they going with a word like that <laughs> to, categorize, to categorize clear racism and bigotry, okay? Where, where are they going? Right. That's why I found it tonight. Uh, can you get, once more, when I leave the line so I can write it down, uh -huh. can you give me the website? <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, sure. No problem, Andre. Thanks Appreciate for calling. Your Appreciate your work. All right, thanks, man. Okay, we're coming up. Uh, thanks. We're coming up on a break. Also, uh, you can check out WashingtonPost.com. WashingtonPost.com. Name of the article: Two black men were arrested wait, waiting at a Starbucks. Now the company police are on the defensive. WashingtonPost.com. Actually, if you go to Washington Post, just search for Starbucks. It'll probably come up. Um, then also check out the article from uh, uh, from uh, from uh, AtlantaBlackStar.com. Um, Star, let's see, Starbucks uh, arrest two uh, men. Starbucks sparks uh, outrage. Uh, black police chief. Uh, this uh, from AtlantaBlackStar.com. Any of these sites, you can probably just go to and just search for Starbucks, and it'll come up yeah, as right? well. Okay. All right, and then also ShopBlack.com. ShopBlack. ShopBlack.us. ShopBlack.us. Forty-seven black-owned coffee. Uh, and tea companies, uh, 47 black-owned coffee and tea businesses that are great alternatives to Starbucks, okay? All right, look, hey, we're coming up on a break. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. Uh, when we come back, also, we'll talk about the story of an African-American boy uh, in a suburb of Detroit asking for directions at someone's home gets shot at. Then we'll talk about uh, black students marched against gun violence in Florida, but you probably did not hear about it. We'll get to some other uh, topics as well, talk about the uh, memorial service for Winnie Mandela.
the mother of a nation. Hey, I'm Michael M. Hotel. This is the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the future of radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. If you're looking for a curriculum for African-American children to teach them their history, then look no further than Legacy Kits by Ignis. Legacy Kits by Ignis is an African-American-owned business that provides African-American and African history curriculum for school-aged children. Their goal is to teach children about their strong history, which is not taught in schools across America. Legacy Kits provide a hands-on learning experience that children love. Each kit contains a workbook, two history books, and two projects. They make it easy for busy parents like you. Subscribe today to receive a monthly package filled with the rich heritage of African people. Teach your children about their history. For more information and to sign up, visit Legacy Kits by Ignis, I-G-N-I-S, LegacyKitsByIgnis.com. Visit them today. Follow them on social media and sign up to receive their emails for special discounts. Remember, right knowledge corrects wrong behavior. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network. Hey, be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, all of my DVD lectures are there. Uh, the lecture I did yesterday uh, in Oak Park, Michigan, dealing with the film Black Panther. You can order that there as well, a Black Panther analysis, African culture, history, and Afrofuturism. Uh, and I will be doing another pay, another presentation on the film Black Panther Sunday, uh, May 6th, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. at the new Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, 71 Oakman Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan. 71 Oakman Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan, right off of uh, right near the Davidson Freeway. Okay, we'll have information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com tomorrow about that. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to uh, Saeed. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about the case of the two African-American men arrested at the Starbucks in Philadelphia. Saeed, hey, thanks for holding. Welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. I'm calling from the east side, brother. Live in South Carolina. How you doing? Hotel. Oh, hotel, brother. Solid. Hey, uh, I was just, yeah, I hear that, man. But remember, even Shirley Shepard was even uh, just from going to the bathroom. Out of, what was that, uh, Home Depot or something like that, man? Sh Sherry Shepard, uh, actress, comedian Sherry Shepard. Yeah, Sherry Shepard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they, you know, it, it seemed like they only wanted you to go to the bathroom no more. And as far as it goes, what a young brother that went up on the porch looking for directions, that's foul. I'm glad he didn't get killed by Baby Girl did going up on the porch when she was drunk and crashed her car. Remember? Yeah, Ren Renisha McBride, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, man? They like, they got their bulls out enough nowadays. What's going on with that, bro? I just wanted to call and hit that part off right quick. Not a solid color piece to you, bro. All right, peace, Aide. All right, thanks. Thanks for calling. Okay, let's go to Ridian, uh, line two. A Ridian, I, I think I pronounced your name correctly. If not, let me know. And tell us where you're calling from. Thanks for holding. Um, you're welcome. I'm calling from Capitol Heights, Maryland, and yes, you did say my name correctly. Okay. All right. Go, go ahead with your question or comment. Well, my comment is this. Um, at some certain point in time or another, we got to do a bottom line with this thing. Uh, we need to understand how white people view us. Um, not all of them, of course, let me let that um, sure. say it. Absolutely. Not all of them, but it's a dangerous percentage mm -hmm. of white people that view African Americans 
as a way of speaking, as jungle monkeys. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm using that term is to get people stirred up. That's how they view us. Of course, that's not who we are. And of course, we should be offended in our pride that they view us that way. But if we don't hurry up and connect with how they view us, mm -hmm. we will never understand the things that they're doing. They know what they're doing is senseless. But because of how they view us, that makes it easy for their conscience when they're doing the things that they're doing. They don't have any feeling about it because of how they view us. Make a long story short, I know we don't have all night. I am interested in starting a movement. I'm an up-and-coming author. I'm starting on my work right now. I hope to be published by the end of this year to uh, create the betterment uh, for treatment of African Americans. I'm not even saying all this exactly the way I want to say it, and I can't uh, be concerned about being politically correct right now because I'm so emotional mm -hmm. about all of it. I'm right. sick and tired. It's because of how they view us. And we have got to start a movement for the betterment of African Americans. We've got to change how they treat us. If we don't hurry up and do this in our generation, it's eventually going to die off because with each generation, the information just minimizes. You know, mm -hmm. they're just not going to have the same drive that we do because they don't understand history the way that we do. And we have got to change how African Americans are being treated in this country only because of how we are viewed. They are ignorant. They don't understand our culture. They don't accept how we dance. They don't accept how we talk. They don't accept how we move. It's just unbelievable at this point that they still think they are important enough that we should be concerned about how they view us. No, we are not concerned. But the treatment has to stop. I'm upset about it. Absolutely. And I'm to stand up and face anybody that I need to face and to start a movement for us to be treated better in this country and for everyone who does not abide by the guidelines of that treatment clause. Maybe it'll be a treatment proposal. Whoever doesn't abide by those guidelines must face some type of justice. We are human beings. We are Americans. And at the end of the day, if they're supposed to be so intelligent, when are they going to realize that from the gate we didn't ask to come here? How could you be so upset that we're even here? It is your ignorant ancestors, like your ignorant selves, that brought us here and took us from our land. We don't want to be here. We don't like you either. But you're right. not going to keep treating us this way just because so, you don't like us. Right. Just because of how you view us. So really. You don't understand us and we intimidate you. But at the same time, you do everything that you can to imitate right. us. Which right. is the highest compliment, by the way. And we take over everything we touch. Right. So, what's your name? Absolutely. So, so Ridian, what we're, what we're dealing with is we're dealing with largely right, the way that African Americans are portrayed in the media, which then influences the way people perceive us, and then and then policies and laws are then crafted based upon the this this negative perception. This is what we're dealing with. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling. Let's go. Yeah, let's go to my and and I'll go to uh, I'll go to a couple articles I shared with you uh, back in December and January that document what I what I what I'm talking about. Okay, uh, some of you all may remember the article from Blavity.com I shared with you 
uh, about the new study from colorchange.org. New study finds news outlets promote false, negative portrayals of black families that don't match reality. And then they talk about how public policies that impact African Americans are crafted based upon false perceptions of us, fed to people about us through the media. Let's go to uh, Mahaley, I think it is, line three. Hey, Mahaley, uh, welcome to the African History Network show. Uh, tell us where you're calling from. I'm calling from New Jersey. New Jersey. Yes, you did say my name correctly. Okay, good, and thanks. I have a few concerns. Mm -hmm. One of my concerns is that I think as a people, we allow the media to create a fear of our people, and it's time for us to create some type of um, fine that would find media when they um, put in false images or negative images about us um, in television, radio, um, TV. You mean you mean like boycotting the advertisers? You mean like boycotting the advertisers? Like, advertisers? Like, um, like like what's happening with like like what's happening? Like Nielsen's ratings, where uh, uh, some type of rating system where we can actually find um, media for false images or things that are mistrue or misleading about um, any group of people. In addition to that, I, I feel that. This whole thing with Philadelphia and Starbucks, we should all band together and just not do anything with Starbucks. I think our black power, our black dollar um, merits us standing up for all of these companies that are not treating us correctly. We never heard the 911 call. Mm -hmm. We don't know why so many police officers showed up. Right, right. That's what we're trying to find out. If it was just a simple trespassing, one or two officers could say, hey, yo, could you just leave the building, but it was like a, like a whole... There were six there, yeah, there were six there to, that, that were involved in the arrest. There were six. It's like... Right, for, which I thought was a bit obsessive. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let me ask you a question. I, I, have you been paying attention to what's happening with Laura Ingram's TV show on Fox News? No, I haven't. So Laura Ingram, Laura Ingram... Uh, verbally attacked David Hogg, who is one of the survivors of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School uh, attack, February 14, 2018. And she made fun of him on her TV show on Fox News, the Fox News cable network, saying that he has a 4.1 GPA, he didn't get accepted to the uh, uh, college of his choice, right? So he goes on his Twitter page. And he po he posted uh, uh, some of her top advertisers on his Twitter page. And last time I checked, he has about six hundred seventy thousand followers on Twitter. I'm one of them. And that's right. how we should do it. And, and 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 she's lost over twenty advertisers. IBM and Red Lobster are some of the most recent ones that have pulled out. She's lost over twenty advertisers behind this. Now this is the same woman who said that LeBron James needs to just dribble, not talk about politics, he needs to just dribble. This is the same one. You know, so you, you got white entertainers that talk about politics all the time. That's not a problem. You got Ted Nugent, you got Ted Nugent, who is on the board of the National Rifle Association. He makes comments about the Second Amendment. He makes comments about politics, but he's a, he's a rock star. He's known as a rock star. He's a, he's a, he's a musician. He's an entertainer. 
they, they don't tell him to be quiet and just play the guitar. The media, the media is not our friend. The media is not owned by us. Well, it depends. Whoa, 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 whoa. It depends which one. Whoa, 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 wait a second. TV One is owned by African Americans. Aspire TV okay. is owned by African Americans. Yeah. Atlanta Black Star, sure. YoBlackWorld.net, which I which I'm a contributor to for YoBlackWorld.net, TheGrio.com, BlackAmericaWeb.com. So we have African American owned media. Okay, we we have to support it, and we we have to read those articles, and we have to support those advertisers of that African American owned media as well. Okay, yep. okay, but our mainstream media. Yeah, a lot of that mm -hmm. has, has perpetrated a fear about people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Fox News and, and the Fox News cable network is one of the most egregious ones in that. They are. They're, they're one of the most egregious ones in that. And this is why, this is one of the reasons why ColorChange.org and some other uh, uh, organizations led a, a protest against Bill O'Reilly's show, The O'Reilly Factor, last year, which led to 80 advertisers pulling their ads from his show, and Fox News ended up firing him because the show was no longer profitable. This is what happened. Yes, okay, thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. All right. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM uh, Superstation, uh, Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We're on live uh, tonight. First time in three weeks we've been on live. So, look, check out that. You've heard me talk about the uh, propaganda of the media in the past. I've been studying media for 26 years now. Um, read the article from Blavity.com. New, new study finds news outlets promote false negative portrayals of black families that don't match reality. Despite government data disproving them, despite government data disproving them, news outlets perpetuate stereotypes such as welfare queens and absentee fathers. Okay? And what this study shows and other and there were other news outlets that picked up this story. WashingtonPost.com has an article, December 13, 2017. News media offers consistently warped portrayals of black families. Study finds. Uh, AOL.com had an article about this. Newsweek.com. Most black people aren't poor, but the U.S. media tells you otherwise. There were numerous outlets that had stories about this. Okay. Um, so uh, check that out, and this deals with how what you read, see, and hear affects the way you think, feel, act, and behave, okay, and how we have to attack these negative images that we see of ourselves in the media on the television. We have to attack these negative images that we see of ourselves in the media and on the television, all right? Um, Let's go to John, line one. Hey, John, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Thank you. Thank you for checking my call. Yes, sir. You, you're exactly right about this, this new, this, so many new did, did you Did you read the report about this? I mean, Harvard University said that they were, they were too, the children were too much in, into the screen garbage because that, that they was having an effect on their mind and, 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 and them, and them, uh, them TV shows and so forth, and they said that they was having nightmares and started out nightmares and, 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 and it leads to other bad health and 
only man left the end. That's why someone would, 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 would uh, commit uh, some type of suicide and so forth. I don't know if you're familiar with it. The Starbucks in Philadelphia? The Starbucks in Philadelphia? That's Wendell Pierce. Yeah, that's actor Wendell actor Wendell Pierce. Yes. Uh that information's in the article from uh Washington Post. Two black men were arrested waiting at a Starbucks. Now the company police are on the defensive. Uh that, that tweet from uh, Wendell Pierce is uh, in that uh, in that uh, article. Okay, so people can check that one out. Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Okay, no problem, John. Thanks for calling. All right, uh, let's go to Christine, uh, line two. Hey, Christine, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Hi. Okay, I'm calling from California. California, all right. All right. Um, I wanted to talk about. Go ahead, you're on there. Go ahead. Okay, I'm up on. The... Right. Okay, you can hear me good. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. So I'm calling in from California, mm -hmm. and what I wanted to talk about was the young man that once got uh, admitted to all the colleges mm -hmm. and had a full ride, and how the newscasters called him uh, Ob obnoxious. Obnoxious. Yes. I shared that, and I was outdone with it. You know, I was like, well, he paid the money. He, he took the time. He wrote the essays. He paid his, you know, all this. And, and they, first they, they, they double-talked. They, they backpedaled mm -hmm. and said, oh, he was taken away from someone when in actuality he wasn't. Right, right. But he didn't take them. He was only going to take one scholarship. Not right. So, and it was an accomplishment, and they were so quick to belittle him. So, what happened was this was, uh, if I remember correctly, this was a local Fox affiliate, uh, and there were three, there were three white female uh, newscasters. And they were commenting on this story. They said that he was obnoxious. So many people have seen the viral video. Uh, it's an African-American uh, high school senior uh, responding to being accepted. Uh, he wanted to go to Stanford. That's like his dream uh, school, if I remember correctly. He's accepted to 20 schools. Okay, he's accepted. He's, he has something like a 4.6 GPA. He, he's, accepted, he's accepted to 20 schools. And they uh, deride him and berate him. For they're saying he's taking opportunities away from other people, but they call him obnoxious. Now, obnoxious sounds like the new uppity for intelligent African Americans, right? Obnoxious sounds like the new uppity, okay? And and, and so so if he didn't if he didn't get accepted to college, if he didn't go to college, then one of the things they would say if he ends up on welfare is why didn't he go to college? You have equal opportunity. When you excel too much, now all of a sudden you're obnoxious and it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, we just keep we just keep going on, and he's demanded an apology from from them. Uh, AtlantaBlackStar.com uh, has an article uh, about that. People can check that out. We posted about it at our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about that uh, some on the other side of the break. Okay, thanks for calling. Okay, thanks for calling, Christine. All right, All right we're coming up on the break, uh, going into our last segment. Hey, listen to the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the future radio, the African History Network show. I'm your host, Michael M. Hotel. 
We'll be back in a few minutes. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Um, you can register for the online courses that I teach also at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. They're all on demand. We have a bundle pack right now. We get uh, six for uh, $60. They're all on demand. Watch them around the world. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the future radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. Hey, if you like this type of information, be sure to uh, uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can sign up for, uh, you can uh, register for the online courses that I teach. We have a six-course bundle pack right now that includes ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Uh, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Also includes an online class idea dealing with the film Black Panther, uh, Great African Women in History, the Mothers of Civilization and some other ones as well. That's at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's on sale right now. Then also you can order the lecture that I did yesterday, uh, April 14th, here in Oak, in, in Oak Park, Michigan, dealing with the film Black Panther. We have some bundle packs there also, okay? If you're in Cleveland, I will be coming to Cleveland uh, Sunday, April 29th for the Cleveland Natural Hair Care Expo that Malika Cooper does. You can visit NaturalHairCareExpo.com for more information. We also have the information up at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. I'll be doing a workshop there dealing with the role of black women in the film Black Panther. The role of black women in the film Black Panther. Uh, I'll also be a vendor there, so we'll have our DVDs uh, there as well. Uh, sat, uh, Sunday, May 6th, 2018, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., I'll be speaking, I'll be doing a presentation at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe. This, the new Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, 71 Oakman Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan. Uh, and this is uh, dealing with the film Black Panther, uh, a Black Panther analysis, African culture, history, and Afrofuturism. Okay, we'll get that up at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com also. It's a free event, donations accepted uh, for those in the Detroit area, Sunday, May 6th, okay? 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question, question or comment. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment, all right? Okay, so um, right before the break, um, someone called in, and what well, we were talking, talked a little bit about the story of the African-American boy who was uh, uh, shot at. Um, he was uh, trying to get direction. So Fox 2 Detroit has his article, theroot.com, atlantablackstar.com. Everybody picked up this article. We posted about it at yourblackworld.net also. Okay. Uh, black teen Mrs. Buss gets shot at after asking for directions in Rochester Hills. Rochester Hills is a suburb of Detroit for those listening around the country who don't know because we have listeners all around the country and they call in to the show as well. Okay, Rochester Hills, Michigan. All right, so a 14-year-old uh, missed his bus and it nearly cost him his life. Things took a dangerous turn when Brennan Walker uh, went looking for help at a Rochester Hills home uh, last uh, last week Thursday, uh, and and was confronted by a man with a gun. 
Okay. Now, uh, Brendan Walker, uh, Brendan Walker, was trying to walk the bus route to Rochester High School after he woke up late and missed the bus. His mom had taken his phone away, so he didn't have that with him to get directions. So he knocked on the stranger's door for help and almost paid for it with his life. He said, quote, I got to the house and I knocked on the lady's door. Then she started yelling at me and she was like, why are you trying to break into my house? I was trying to explain to her that I was trying to get directions to Rochester High, Rochester High School. And she kept yelling at me. Then the guy came downstairs and he grabbed the gun. I saw it and I started to run. And that's when I heard the gunshot, he says. Thankfully, the man missed. Brennan Walker kept running, hid, then cried. Quote, he said, my mom says that black boys get shot because sometimes they don't look their age. And I don't look my age. He said, I'm 14, but I don't look 14. I'm kind of happy that, like, I didn't become a statistic he says in retro retrospect. Now, you've heard me talk about this before. You've heard me talk about implicit bias and how it applies to African-American boys as young as five years old. American Psychological Association, at their website, they have a study posted by Dr. Philip Ativa uh, Goff, uh, Goff. You've heard me talk about this before. And this deals with how uh, uh, black boys as young as uh, five years old are uh, looked at uh, as being older and more dangerous. Okay, they are oftentimes uh, looked at uh, 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 things that white boys of the same age do, things that they do that will be uh, brushed off as well. This is just boys being boys. African American boys are held at a higher standard and a more dangerous standard. So that article from uh, at the American Psychological Association's website, APA.org, was posted March 6, 2014. It's entitled, Black Boys Viewed as Older, Less Innocent Than Whites Research Finds. So this is not my opinion. This is what the data shows. Black Boys Viewed as Older, Less Innocent Than Whites Research Finds police likelier to use force against black children when officers quote unquote dehumanize blacks study says police likelier to use force against black children when officers dehumanize blacks study says okay and I'll just share a couple of paragraphs with you. We'll post this on our fan page of the African History Network and on the thread of the broadcast. You can check this out also at APA.org, APA.org, which is the American Psychological Association's website. Black boys as young as 10 years old may not be viewed in the same light of childhood innocence as their white peers, but are instead more likely to be mistaken as older, be perceived as guilty, and face police violence if accused of a crime according to new research published by the American Psychological Association. Dr. Philip Atiba Goff, Ph.D., said, quote, Children in most societies are considered to be in a distinct group with characteristics such as innocence and the need for protection. 
Our research found that black boys can be seen as responsible for their actions at an age when white boys still benefit from the assumption that children are essentially innocent, end quote, said Dr. Philip Atiba Goff of the University of California, Los Angeles. The study was published online in the American Psychological Association's Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. You can check out the rest of this study as well as at the APA.org uh, website, okay? So there is a, uh, a context and there's a historical context behind this, but there's data to back up what this boy is saying that his mother told him. He said, my mom says that black boys get shot because they don't look their age. Tamir Rice, 12 years old. And I don't think, uh, and I don't look my age. When Tamir Rice, go research that case, Cleveland, Ohio. They said they thought Tamir Rice was about 20 years old. He looked older than his age. He, he was 12. He looked older than his age. He said, I'm 14, but I don't look 14. And I'm kind of happy that, like, I didn't become a statistic. Now, Oakland County, Oakland County Sheriff deputies arrived soon after... Uh, arrived, arrived, arrived soon uh, after this incident to the home of South Christian Hills Drive and took the woman's husband into custody. Fox 2, local affiliate here in Detroit, Fox 2 said, quote, your son almost became a hashtag, end quote. Uh, quote, exactly, and that's exactly how I feel. Like, wow, because you were trying to get to school, uh, says his mother, Lisa Wright. I found out later uh, the only reason the man missed is because he forgot to take the safety off the gun. The only reason the man, she said, I found out later, the only reason the man missed shooting her son, who was running away, was because he forgot to take the safety off the gun. Now, Mother, uh, uh, Mother Lisa Wright was at work when she got the call. She says her husband is deployed in Syria. He's a veteran. So she was... Uh, assuming he's in the military, so she was assuming she was getting a call about him until she realized they were calling about her son Brennan. She dropped everything and immediately went to the substation to be with her son. She said that's where investigators told her the family's ring doorbell recorder. You've seen the commercials for ring doorbell, right? There's somebody at your door. You can be getting a manicure on the smartphone. Say hey. You get off my line, I'm calling the police. But they record stuff, right? So they recorded this idiot. There's recording of it. It's not he said, she said. They got video. Oh, yes, they've got video of this. That's why the police arrested him. All right? So the family's ring doorbell recorder uh, recorded the encounter. Investigators watched the video with Brennan Walker and his mother, Lisa Wright. And she says the video confirmed their suspicions. Okay? She said, quote, one of the things that stands out that probably angers me the most is while I was watching the tape, you can hear the wife say, quote, why did these people choose my house, end quote, she says, before taking a long pause. Who are these people? And she said, that set me off. And I don't want to believe it was what it appeared to look like when I heard her say that. It was like, but it is what it looks like. Now, authorities have not released the security video as of uh, the date of this article, okay? And uh, they said, quote, uh, we should not have to live uh, in a society where we have to fend for, our, fend for ourselves. 
if I have a question, I should be able to turn to my village and knock on the door and ask a question. I shouldn't be fearful of a child, let alone a skin tone, his mother said. Now, this is a decent neighborhood. If anything, why would I knock on your door to rob you? If anything, why would I knock on your door to rob you, she said. All right. Okay, so um, the homeowner, the man who fired a shot, he's been arrested. Fox 2 has an article about that. He was, he was a retired uh, Detroit firefighter. Uh, Oakland County Sheriff Michael Bouchard said, It is just absurd that this happened. I feel terrible for the young man. I feel terrible for the mom and the anxiety that they had to go through. We are going to ask for every charge permissible for this guy who stepped up and fired a shotgun because someone knocked on his door. He fired a shotgun. This wasn't a 22. This is a shotgun. Shotguns shoot pellets. Shotguns are very deadly. They can shoot a slug, but they usually shoot pellets. Shotguns are very deadly. Now, right now, the man is being held. At, well, so, this article, this the first article here, Fox 2, this was updated April 13th, 2018, 2.24 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. At the time of this article, um, he was being held at the Oakland County Jail. Now, he's a retired Detroit firefighter. He was arraigned Friday afternoon, April 13th. Um, Jeffrey Ziegler uh, has been charged with assault. Uh, with intent to murder, assault with an intent to murder, and felony firearms. He received a bond of $50,000 with conditions and is due in court on April 24th. Okay? Uh, so, and then there's an update. Uh, in this article, also, they talk about Renisha McBride, who uh, won the caller's reference as well. Um, it is it's not completely known why. Uh, so, this situation is an eerie reminder of one that ended tragically in Dearborn Heights, Michigan. So Dearborn Heights is another suburb of Detroit. It's different than Dearborn, Michigan. There's a Dearborn, Michigan, and there's a Dearborn Heights, Michigan. Those are two entirely different cities, okay? Uh, Renisha McBride was killed in Dearborn Heights, Michigan back in 2013. The story got national headlines when a homeowner, okay, um, uh, Ted Wafer was his name, uh, shot and killed Renisha McBride in the middle of the night after she knocked on his door. It's not completely known why 19-year-old Renisha McBride knocked on Ted Wafer's door that night. Though she had crashed her car a few blocks away, she had been drinking and was disoriented when she went up to his house, but she was not armed. Okay, Ted Wafer testified that he grabbed his shotgun, opened the door, and fired his weapon at McBride because he feared she was an intruder and that he killed her in self-defense but the jury did not agree, okay? Yeah, but see, he changed the story because he, he also, see, he said that he, he said that the gun fired accidentally. If you go research this case, he said the gun fired accidentally. Now, he was interviewed by police before he got an attorney, okay? And his story changed. At one point, he said the gun fired accidentally. Another point, he said he fired in self-defense. How could you fire self-defense if the gun fired accidentally? That's why he's in prison. He was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to at least 17 years in prison. Last year, he tried to get an appeal based on jury instructions, but the Michigan Supreme Court denied that appeal in March. Okay, so that's the article. That's the first article. That is from um, 
That's from Fox 2 News, local uh, Fox affiliate in Detroit. Black teen Mrs. Bus gets shot, gets shot at after asking for directions in Rochester Hills. Then there's a follow-up story from uh, April 13th, Friday, April 13th, posted at 5.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Retired Detroit firefighter gets $50,000 bond for shooting at black teen knocking on door. Okay? And um, they, uh, they talk about uh, the story. They talk about the charges. He's 53 years old, named Jeffrey Zieg uh, Ziegler, uh, or Ziegler, has been identified as the man. Deputies say pulled a shotgun on, shotgun on a 14-year-old. During his arraignment, he tried to make a statement about what happened when the family heard a knock at the door. Uh, he said, quote, there is a lot more to the story, uh, to the story, and I think uh, that will come out in the court, he said. I was in bed yesterday morning with my wife uh, when, when, my, when, when my wife started screaming and crying. Okay, well, they got, they got stuff on video now. One, you can't shoot at somebody running away from you, one. That's against the law. You should know that if you are a responsible gun owner. You can't shoot at somebody running away from you unless they're shooting at you. you, had, you there, were, there were no signs that he had a gun or anything. He's unarmed. He's running away from you, and, he, and you shoot at him. Okay? Why did your wife think he was trying to break into the house? All right? So check out this article uh, as well. All right, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. 313 778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Well, we know um, about, about a week or so ago, we know that the mother of a nation passed away, Winnie Mandela. Winnie Mandela passed away at age 81. She had um, been battling illness. Uh, AtlantaBlackStar.com has an article from April 11th, 2018. Thousands gathered for Winnie Mandela's memorial in South Africa. Thousands gathered for Winnie Mandela's memorial in South Africa. So several thousand mourners gathered at Soweto's Orlando Stadium on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, for the official memorial service, the official memorial service for anti-apartheid activist Winnie uh, uh, Madiscala Mandela, who uh, passed away on April 2nd, at the age of 81. Yes, week before last, she passed away. April 2nd at the age of 81. Now, the death of Winnie Mandela, often called the mother of a nation, has triggered widespread soul-searching, widespread soul-searching uh, in South Africa over the legacy of one of the nation's most important fighters against racial discrimination, yet who was dogged by scandal, okay? Uh, during the uh, decades of imprisonment of her husband Nelson Mandela, Winnie Mandela helped keep the keep the plight of the political leader and the gross injustices of the apartheid system in the global spotlight. Her own her own face and voice becoming synonymous with the anti-apartheid struggle. Okay, now in the weeks since her death in a Johannesburg hospital there has been an outpouring of support, an outpouring of support for a woman whose fearlessness and defiance helped bring an end to the apartheid system, but whose public image was also tarnished by controversy. Your name's Chris. It, the, the ruling uh, ANC, African National Congress, 
which uh, Winnie Mandela had a rocky relationship with over the years, has held uh, has held a, uh, has held memorial events across the country, including Wednesday's ceremony and an official funeral scheduled for Saturday. Okay, now um, uh, President Cyril uh, Ramaphosa. Uh, said she was a symbol of hope to many of us, okay? Uh, he said at her memorial in her hometown on Tuesday. Uh, now, the young Winnie Mandela grew up in what is now Eastern Cape, uh, the Eastern Cape province, and came to Johannesburg uh, as the city's first black female social worker, the, first, the city's first black female uh, social worker, okay? Not so. Okay, so uh, the city's first black female social worker. Um, not long after she met ANC activist Nelson Mandela, she met Nelson Mandela and the couple married in 1958, forming uh, one of the most storied unions of the 21st century. After Nelson Mandela was imprisoned on Robben Island, Winnie Mandela embraced her own leadership in the freedom struggle with steely determination and a great personal sacrifice. For years, she was routinely harassed by apartheid state security forces, imprisoned and tortured. She was often away from her two daughter, often away from her two daughters that she had with Nelson Mandela. And in 1977, she was banished to a remote town in the middle uh, of the country to separate her from the heart of the movement she led in Soweto. Winnie Mandela in 2013 said, you decide to choose between the nation and your young children, and it was a very difficult choice to make. You decide to choose between the nation and your young children, and it was a very difficult choice to make. She said, even to this day, a parent like me still feels that guilt. Now, those years of harassment and stress were not without their toil, okay? When uh, Winnie Mandela returned... Hello, what's your name? Let's see, when Winnie Mandela... Uh, when Winnie Mandela uh, returned... Uh, would come to, uh, returned from exile to Johannesburg, she became involved with a group of young men known as the Mandela United Football Club, who were widely blamed for violence in Soweto where she was living. Now, they were accused of the disappearances and killings of at least 18 boys and young men, and the group's leader was convicted of killing a 14-year-old boy uh, nicknamed Stompy, S-T-O-M-P-I-E, who was accused of being a police informer. Now, in 1991, a court found Winnie Mandela guilty of the boy's kidnapping and assault and sentenced her to six years in jail. She appealed and was found guilty of being an accessory in the assault, and the sentence was reduced to a fine and a suspended prison term. Winnie Mandela steadfastly denied any knowledge of any killings. Now, um, uh, Nelson Mandela divorced Winnie Mandela in 1996, claiming infidelity and saying that after his release from prison, his wife made him, quote-unquote, the loneliest, the loneliest man. Though she fought fiercely for democracy, the political career that Winnie Mandela embarked on after the first free elections in 1994 floundered. 
uh, she, uh, Nelson Mandela sacked his wife as one of his um, uh, deputy ministers in his first cabinet and her stints as a lawmaker, a post she held until her death were lackluster. Okay, so this is an article from AtlantaBlackStar.com. Uh, thousands gather for uh, Winnie Mandela's memorial in South Africa. That's from April 11th, uh, 2018. And then there's an article also that we posted on our fan page, the African History Network, from uh, City Press, uh, city-press.news24.com, city-press.news24.com. Name of this article is "We Were Praising the Wrong Mandela: South Africa's Anger Over Winnie Dossi or Documentary." We were praising the wrong Mandela. We'll go to the phone lines in just a minute. So, guys, hold the line. We'll come to Chris and Bruce in just a minute here. But so, so, so this article is from April twelfth, two thousand eighteen. It's about a uh, documentary that just aired uh, this past Wednesday in South Africa. Social media erupted in outrage and disbelief on Wednesday night after the screening of a tell-all documentary about the life of Winnie uh, Madiscala, uh, uh, sorry, Madiscala, Madiscala Mandela. Okay, the uh, the documentary, simply titled Winnie, aired on uh, ENCA hours after the official state memorial for Winnie Mandela was held at Orlando Stadium in Soweto and it exposed how the mother of the nation was betrayed by the ANC African National Congress especially by her husband former President Nelson Mandela now Archbishop Desmond Tutu was also uh, was also called out for quote letting the mother of the nation down end quote when he had requested her to apologize at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission hearings in 1997. In the documentary, Winnie Mandela suggests that the subpoena for her to testify at the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission was linked to her nomination for the position of Deputy President of the ANC. Okay, uh, In the documentary, um, it says she says that it was an unhealthy coincidence in my mind that this must happen a few days before the national conference. I was the only one in the ANC who was taken to the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission by her, by her own government. I was seething with rage. He, Bishop Desmond Tutu, was acting there for the public, acting for STRATCOM. Okay. Now, she went on to say, to this day, I ask God to forgive me for not forgiving Desmond Tutu. To this day, I ask God to forgive me for not forgiving Tutu. I wasn't going to say sorry as if I had been responsible for apartheid. Okay, you can read the rest of that. Um, we have that article at our uh, fan page, the African History Network. Uh, it's entitled, We Were Praising the Wrong Mandela, South Africa's Anger Over Winnie Dossi. Winnie Mandela documentary, D-O-C-C-I-E. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Bruce, uh, line two. Thanks for holding, Bruce. Welcome to the African History Network show. Bruce, you there? Yeah. How you doing, Mike? All right. Go ahead, man. Where are you, where are you calling from, Bruce? Uh, Detroit. Detroit. 
Okay, go ahead. Yeah. You know what's sad is this is what Kaepernick, uh, 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 as, uh, as far as these issues in Philly and Sacramento, this is what uh, Kaepernick sacrificed for him. And, and you know what's disappointing? Mm-hmm. It didn't cost us anything not to watch football, but we don't even sacrifice when it don't even cost a dime. Well, so I don't, I don't know well some of us did. Uh, not enough, yeah, but some of us did. Me too. I, I did. Yeah. But I mean, as a, as a team, as a unit, I mean, black people, I don't know what it's going to take for us to all be on the same page, but that's what I'm talking about. I, I know that people sacrifice. When I say you, no, you, you, you have on your uh, Kaepernick T-shirt, I didn't watch football. It didn't cost anything not to not to watch football. I watched college but, but when are we going to get it? What, what are they going to have well, to put us back in bondage well, in order for us to get it? Maybe these guys really don't like us. Well, some of us, like South Africa. yeah. Well, well, many of us are getting it, and I think it's growing. Uh, we saw the protest right right outside of Starbucks today. Did you see that on our fan page? We broadcasted that live on our fan page, the African History Network. Uh, go, go, oh, oh, yeah. Go watch that. So many of us are getting it. And uh, I think I think is growing, and and more people are starting to realize also how politics impacts every aspect of our lives as well. So if we talk about police misconduct, well, the police chief is usually appointed by the mayor, and it's the mayor and city council that usually set the tone for policing in the city. Okay, so uh, I think more people are starting to realize it and understand the relationship between. Laws and public policies, their negative side effects, and also the people who they elect to office because these are the lawmakers. Well, you will. well I, okay. I, I hope they're getting it, and that's the only thing I, I, I do feel safe in the city. Now, we haven't had, we have had some issues, some, some, some televised issues with the police, but not to that degree, and it's not right. that severe, and the makeup reflects. Uh, the, the residents, but I think that that, that, that residency room, they, they need to put that back. Somebody need to push for that because I right. don't believe in, in community so, policing. I think people should police their own people because when you go out to the suburbs, mm-hmm. we, 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 we don't see that many blacks um, on their police department. And, and, and I just think that right. I, I'm just so sick and tired of it now. I think most, most white people are prejudiced, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Now, we have to say the things that are politically co- correct and not paint with a broad brush and nothing is 100%. But for the most part, I think they are. And well, so yeah, you, I'm you, not going to sanitize it and, and try to say what's paint a quote rosy picture and stuff is not rosy. I'm about sick of it because I, I, I have children. Right, right. Well, you're doing it with, and thanks for your call, uh, Bruce. Thanks for your All call. Right. Hey, be sure to come to uh, my lecture uh, Sunday, May 6th at the New Nanny's Knowledge Cafe also. But uh, you, you, you're you talking about implicit bias, which uh, we talked about earlier. I encourage people to check out the uh, articles from Blavity.com. New study finds news outlets promote false negative portrayals of black families that don't match reality. Okay, and then also WashingtonPost.com had an article about that. News media offers consistently warped portrayals of black families study finds. All right, uh, we only have a couple minutes left here in the show. Hey, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my DVD lectures are there. The presentation I just did dealing with the film Black Panther, you can order that there. We have a bundle pack where you get eight of my presentations, eight of my latest presentations. For $70, you can also sign up, uh, register for the online courses that I teach. We have a bundle pack where you get six of them 
on demand. You can start watching right away. Those watching on our fan page, the African History Network, we just posted it on the thread of the broadcast. Check that out also. And then uh, we'll continue with some of these topics uh, uh, next week and some, new, and some new things also. But in Chicago, Black Panther inspires African fashions uh, and first Wakanda Khan in Chicago. August, I think it's August 3rd through the 5th in Chicago, they're going to have a Wakanda convention, okay? And I will definitely be there. Uh, ABC Channel 7, uh, abc7chicago.com has an article about that. Uh, Black Panther is continuing to uh, break records at the box office. Uh, and they talk about the uh, Wakanda Con, Wakanda uh, Conference that deals with the film, it deals with Afrofuturism. And um, more people have been coming to see. It talks about how um, uh, the popularity of the film has inspired the very first Wakanda Con, a fan convention for all things Black Panther at the Hilton uh, in Chicago late this summer. Uh, 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 Ali Barthwell, who's a co-founder of the Wakanda Con, said, Our theme is celebrating Afrofuturism, which is science fiction based on imagining a different future and a different world for the African diaspora. Okay, so uh, check out that article. We'll talk some more about that. Hey, uh, I, I got to get out of here and make way for Pastor Mo uh, coming up next. This is uh, the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotep, 19 a.m. The Superstation of Future Radio. Remember, right now, let's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.